Hello and welcome to the Spring Cairo podcast. I'm Lisa and I'm hoping you've all had a restful, festive season and I hope you've stayed bug-free this winter. But we are having lots of cancellations at the moment in the clinic, so it seemed a good time to talk to you today about your immune system. And that means you will have to wait to learn about changing your brain, but that will come later. As I said, your immune system is particularly relevant at the moment. I'm mainly going to be talking about it in terms of battling infectious diseases, but there are other very important roles of the immune system as well. And without our immune systems, quite frankly, we would not survive. When you understand how our immune system works, you'll understand why I sometimes have a problem with the phrases that we we use so readily. You know, where did you catch that cold? I hope I haven't given you COVID because we are constantly being exposed to bugs. And by bugs, I mean bacteria, viruses, including the COVID and flu viruses and so on. And bugs, I mean things that have the ability to cause disease in our bodies. The only way you can really truly guard against not being exposed to anything potentially nasty would be by just spending your life and walking around in effectively a spacesuit with your own oxygen supply. You know, think of the images, if you've ever seen them, of people working in areas that are rife with the Ebola virus, because that particular virus is especially nasty and severe. Uh, We say it's particularly virulent because of its effects. But most of us do not walk around in spacesuits, and we are constantly being exposed to bugs. Luckily, in the UK, we don't have many of the really nasty bugs like Ebola, which often tend to be the more tropical bugs. But have you ever wondered why perhaps you had a house full of people with COVID at some stage in the last few years and one person never seemed to get it when the others had it or the other way around? Perhaps only one person succumbed and several others stayed clear. I would argue that the other people were probably exposed as well, unless you were very, very strict about quarantining. But another way of thinking about it is if, like me, you've ever tried to grow a lovely wildflower meadow in your garden. And I've thrown probably getting on for thousands of seeds onto various patches of land, and only a fraction of them ever ended up taking root and flowering. Why did only some come up and not others? It's probably a combination of the type of soil and how competitive each particular species is at surviving. But when it comes to bugs causing disease and whether or not they take hold in our bodies, in our systems, for example, for me, it really comes down to how effective our immune systems are. If everything is working as it should, any bug that gets into your body, which can be obviously by breathing it in, it can be ingesting it via food or touching a surface, then touching your mouth afterwards, for example, or your nose. All of these are points of entry into your body that bugs can potentially get into. And they are all lined with what are called mucous membranes. And they secrete mucus, which itself acts as a bit of a sticky trap for bugs. And they also have lots of immune cells and actually natural antibiotics in them, which kill the bugs as well. So any bug that gets in will be eradicated very quickly if your immune system is up to scratch. And you probably won't even realise that you had it in your body. It never even gets to the point of having symptoms. But if your immune system is not up to the job, that's really when the bugs can replicate and take hold a bit more. Bacteria, by the way, can replicate themselves every 20 minutes. So let me explain a little bit about how your immune system works. And when it comes to dealing with infectious agents, 
we have two parts to our immune system. One is called the innate immune system. And I like to think of this as, as the first responders. So these are the foot soldiers on the ground who are constantly on guard patrol. And they are looking out for any sign of a foreign cell. And they will attack anything or call in the attack on anything that doesn't look like your own cells. And thankfully, our own cells, it's very useful. We our own cells are very easy to distinguish from any invading bugs because they all have specialised identifiers on their surfaces. Imagine, I like to think of it as all of my cells are on the same team, my body, my body team, so they all wear the same uniform, even though they might have a different role within the team, a different function. But your team uniform, by the way, is unique to, to you. I have my own team uniform, you have a different one. And the guard patrol or the innate immune system can tell at a glance when there's an intruder because they're not wearing the right uniform. And they respond very quickly to kill the intruder. But if for some reason they can't get to do that quickly enough or effectively enough, or if there's they're outnumbered perhaps by the bugs that have come in, then that's where the bug might take hold a bit more. And that's when the second part of your immune system called the acquired or adaptive immune system kicks in. This is usually within a few days afterwards of the innate immune system trying to deal with the intruders. So this is like calling in the cavalry or the big guns. And this part of your immune system is also the one that learns exactly what a particular bug looks like. And the next time you're exposed to that bug, your adaptive immune system can be mobilized more quickly to join the fight sooner and effectively stamp out the baddies. As I said, most of the time, we're not even aware that our bodies are constantly being exposed to bugs and eliminating them before they can even take hold enough to give us any symptoms of or disease. But when we do have symptoms, so obviously coughing, sneezing, fever, diarrhea, these are actually all signs that our bodies are doing exactly what they should. They are trying to expel the bugs from our system to protect our bodies. In fact, some people don't even call these symptoms having a disease at all. They call them expressions of health. I mentioned the mucous membranes earlier, and one effect of an infection is for your body to produce more mucus to try and capture the bugs, then you can cough or sneeze them out, for example. Fever is a very interesting one as well. This is not an effect of the infection itself, which is what many people think. But raising our body temperature is actually something our bodies do deliberately as part of our defence. We used to think its role was literally trying to heat the bugs up enough to kill them or boil the bugs or make the environment a very inhospitable one for them, or at the very least stop them from replicating themselves. But we know there's a lot more to it now. In fact, fever also has a direct effect on the immune system cells, and it makes them much more effective at doing their job in a number of different ways. There is quite a lot of research now that has shown fever is associated with better outcomes. So inhibiting a fever, for example, with medication like paracetamol is actually linked with longer recovery times and doesn't even improve survival rates anyway. In fact, sometimes quite the opposite. At least two studies I've seen had to be stopped early when the groups of patients um, who were being cooled, basically, they were looking at, I think one group was a group of patients with meningitis, another one was with septic shock or sepsis, blood infection, and they were injecting the patients with cooled saline fluids to drop their temperature and see what the outcome was. And the outcome in, the, in both these studies, the, there was such significantly higher mortality rates in the cooling group of patients that they had to terminate the studies earlier than planned because it was frankly immoral to carry on. 
An interesting study on hospitalized COVID patients found that having a higher fever was associated with better survival rates as well. Now, there are times, of course, when the temperature might get dangerously high and and need to be brought down. For children, the safe temperatures vary with age, and children in particular under the age of six can be prone to fever-induced seizures, which are obviously very frightening. But this is why, personally, as an adult, I would not take paracetamol if I had a fever, anywhere up to about 39.5 or so, because I don't want to scupper my own body's defence mechanism. Now, when it comes to your immune system working at its best, there are several factors to bear in mind. Uh, Firstly, vitamin D, I have mentioned previously, it's very important for your immune system function. Remember, lower vitamin D levels were also associated with worse outcomes for those with COVID. And we are all low in vitamin D at this time of year. Listen to episode three for more details. It's even argued in, in my functional health world that the reason we are all a bit more likely to suffer suffer from the colds, the coughs, the flu, the COVID, etc. during the winter months isn't, as many people believe, just because we're all cooped in a bit closer together, which may play a small role, but it's mostly down to our vitamin D status. And again, if your immune system is working effectively, you shouldn't come down with every bug going around. Otherwise, you know, why aren't we constantly and all year round coughing, sneezing, feverish and so on? Uh, Other vitamins and minerals that are very important for immune system function, you're probably quite familiar with. Uh, Most of them, in fact, um, are are useful in some way or another, but in particular, the B vitamins, especially vitamin B6, because that's needed to actually produce your white blood cells, your immune system cells. Vitamin C, I think most people are aware of its importance for the immune system function. You may not know it does also seem to act directly as an antiviral itself. It can kill viruses. There's vitamin A, vitamin E, um, minerals that are very important, zinc. I always keep zinc lozenges in my medicine cabinet. Apparently, my medicine cabinet doesn't look like many people's medicine cabinet, by the way, but I always have zinc lozenges there. And if I get the first sign of a sore throat, I'll suck on a zinc lozenge because as well as supporting my immune system, I know that zinc also acts directly on viruses in a slightly different way to vitamin C, but zinc actually stops the virus replicating itself. So it slows the invasion down to allow your immune system to get on top of it quicker. Another mineral you might be less familiar with is called selenium. This is plentiful in Brazil nuts, um, also very important for your immune system function. And speaking of Brazil nuts, many of the aforementioned vitamins and minerals you can get plentifully from a good diet, but some are worth supplementing with. If you are taking the multivitamin that we have in clinic, plus a vitamin D supplement, as described again back in in episode three, then you are more than halfway there to giving your immune system everything it needs. Another big impact on your immune system function is stress. When we're stressed, and I'm talking chronic long-term stress in particular, our bodies actually end up suppressing our immune system function. I did a a series on stress on our Facebook page a few years ago, during the pandemic actually, if you'd like to know more. But in a nutshell, we evolved when stress consisted of a line in front of you. And in that moment, our bodies prioritised the immediate danger of having to run or fight for your life over the possibility of a rogue bug running around in your bloodstream that might cause a problem in the future. So nowadays, we don't have lions in front of us, but unfortunately, our bodies don't know the difference between a lion and an abusive boss or a spouse or unmanageable workloads or relationship problems, you know, all the things that affect us in life. 
And our bodies still react in the same way, even though the stresses are very different. But whereas an encounter with a lion might last 15 minutes, because after that you're either, you've either survived or not, modern day stress lasts days, weeks, even years. And this all takes its toll on our immune system function. I'm sure you've all experienced the scenario of being on the go, 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 go for ages, desperately looking forward to your holiday so you can relax, unwind, catch up with yourself. And as soon as you stop and get onto your lovely beach, you immediately come down with something. Coming up to Christmas is a very stressful time of year as well. So during the Christmas break is a very common time to be poorly. Uh, I include myself in this. As some of you know, if you've had a cancellation in the last few weeks, apologies for that. So I'm going to finish talking about your immune system with my top tip for you for tummy bugs in particular. And I mentioned my medicine cabinet is not your average medicine cabinet. And my one thing that I always have in there is charcoal powder activated. It's called activated charcoal powder. And charcoal, as you're familiar with, it, it is very good at removing bugs. So that's why it's used in charcoal filters, for example, whether it's a water filter or an odor filter in the um, cooker hoods and so on for taking smells out. And charcoal works in a very interesting way because imagine the tiny particles of charcoal are like tiny little cages, like little spheres. And charcoal has the ability to lock things into that cage and stop them getting out again. So if I start to feel the first signs of maybe a tummy upset, whether I've been exposed to something like good old norovirus, or whether it's something I've ingested that is, you know, a food poisoning type of thing that has the potential to cause food poisoning, then I will start to take some activated charcoal. I've got a big tub of powder in my cupboard, and I will get a bottle of water, half a litre bottle of water, and I will put a teaspoon of activated charcoal powder into it, put on the lid, shake it all up, it turns jet black, and then I will just start sipping at that until it runs out, and then I do it all again, unless I've you know got on top of it by that stage. And charcoal powder is different, for example, from taking Imodium. If you've got a bug that is causing diarrhea, again, your body's trying to flush out the bug, so the diarrhea is your body's attempt to do that. Imodium will stop the diarrhea, and it stops it by stopping the muscle contractions in your intestines, but it doesn't solve the problem. And in fact, we could argue it might make the problem longer term because you're now keeping the bug in your system and it's allowed to replicate. The difference with charcoal powder is that by locking it into the cages, it actually stops the replication and it then passes all the way through. It can make your poo quite black. It's a bit of a shock at first if you first see it, um, but that's okay. It can actually cause the opposite effect, it can make people a little bit constipated. But generally, the the options between the two, that's a pref preferred option. And eventually, it will get out of your system. But it's so effective, it locks it away so it can't cause the problems. It's so effective, in fact, charcoal powder, that the recommendation is that you would never take it with any medication because it also takes anything out. So it'll take lock away your med medication into the little cages and stop the medication getting out into your bloodstream where it's needed to do the job. So if you ever take it, don't take it around within about half an hour, preferably a bit more of any medications that you're taking uh, in terms of capsules or, or pills or liquids that you're swallowing. And you can get 
charcoal capsules from chemists, any chemists, health food shops, those sorts of places. Uh, I tend to use the powder. It's a bit more effective. It has a bigger surface area, so it works more quickly. But the capsules are the next best option if you can't find the powder. But that is my top tip. I always take a little bit on holiday. If, if you ever sometimes different diets, different bugs that you might be exposed to in different foods can actually stir up things in your tummy as well. So that's not unusual. So I've always got some of that on hand. That is my top tip. Some of you have heard me tell you about that before. And in the meantime, I'm wishing you a very happy new year and hoping that you can keep the bugs at bay. Take care.